Well, if you need a copy of the lesson, if you hold up your hand, we'll get that to you if you didn't get a copy when you came in as we finish up this segment of the biblical order and the rapture and the timing of the rapture. And we'll move on to some of the tribulation period and end of the millennial reign. So we're going to begin tonight in looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But as we're turning there, once you get there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, then we'll, we'll do our verse for this month, which is say it together, Nahum 1-7, the Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knoweth them that trust in him. And it's and he knoweth them that trusteth him. Okay, keep working on that verse. And the other verses, if you can get them down. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time to get together as a church and pray together study your word just thank you for your goodness to us the blessings that we have and those blessings that we have to look forward to that are coming when our Lord returns what a great day that will be help us to be faithful keep serving we thank you we love you and ask it in Jesus name amen well as I put there in the notes ambassadors are called home in time of war. It's another indication that we're going out before the tribulation period starts and the wrath of God falls upon mankind and reveals to himself that he, Jesus reveals that he is in fact the Son of God, God the Son, the Savior of the world. It's interesting here when you look at these things that the word reconcile has, to, has the meaning of to return to favor return to favor and then reconciliation notice he says that in verse 18 all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself restored us to favor how by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of re reconciliation every believer is a minister we're the minister of reconciliation and notice it, that the, the word reconciliation has the meaning of winning sinners to Christ. We are not able to 
reconcile them. But notice what it goes on to say in verse 19. To wit, let's get this or understand it, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. You see, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation. In other words, we can't perform the act, but we can tell about it. We have the word of reconciliation. We can't restore them to favor. All we can do is tell them, and then when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they re he reconciles them. We have the word of reconciliation. We have a command to go to the whole world with the gospel, and we do not find that command for the church in the tribulation period as we talked about before. It's just not there. But we have a command. This word of reconciliation is a command. It is very clear in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and all of the Gospels that we are commanded to tell the word of reconciliation. That we are to give people the gospel, show them how they can be reconciled to God. That is a command. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. You can ask just about any believer and they love the Lord and they'll say, yes, I love the Lord. Well, are you witnessing daily? Well, hmm? if you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. And if we're going to make this year a year of witnessing, that's what we got to do. We got to witness. And we don't have a choice about it. It is a command. Look what Jesus said in Luke 6, 46. Back to Luke 6, 46. Forty-six verse says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? If you call him Lord, if you believe he's your Savior, then why do you not do what he said to do? Why do you not take those opportunities to witness that he gives you? Not every situation comes up that we're able to be a witness. We get in situations where we can't do that and if we tried to do it it would probably do more harm than good but we do have opportunities that come up to witness and it isn't a choice it's a command and some people say well you know pastor I'm just not good at this or that we'll find what you are good at find where God has gifted you in a way that you could reach people. Maybe it's writing letters. Maybe it's just sending out gospel tracts. Maybe it's just talking to someone on the phone. But there's some way that God will use you. He, he equips who he commands. And so we need to realize that, that we have a command and we are ambassadors. But the point I want you to see about the tribulation period is ambassadors are called home in time of war. And so it's an indication 
that we will be taken out before the tribulation period starts. But it should remind us of our responsibility. And notice he says in verse 19, reconciling the world unto himself. God didn't choose some to be saved and some to be lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so it's a challenge for all of us. Yes, it's a challenge, but it is also a command. And if we love the Lord, we will be trying to witness. We will be sharing the good news of the gospel. We will be trying to get out the gospel tracks. And if we're bashful and backward, we'll work at overcoming it. <laughs> because if we're scared, we'll work at overcoming it. And we'll do what we're commanded to do. I know several of our men here in the church have, have been soldiers, and every one of them will admit it's scary. It's a scary thing, but you got to do what you got to do. And uh, that's what we got to do, myself included. I'm preaching to me as, as much as I'm preaching to you. We need to be witnesses. Number two there in the notes, another reason of the reasons for a preacher of rapture is the days of Lot and Noah. They reveal the timing of the rapture. If we go to 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, the Bible tells us here about Lot in the New Testament. It says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. There's a lot of people in America today and around the world that need to take heed to that. That it is a dangerous thing to go against God. And notice it says, And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day, with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So it kind of sets Lot up as an example of God taking out before judgment falls. And the word, the first word vexed there in verse 7 has the meaning of to, to wear down with toil, to exhaust, with labor, to oppress. But then the next word is a different Greek word there in verse 8, vexed is righteous soul. It means to torture or to torment. So he was worn down and just tortured and tormented by what was going on around him. Kind of feels like our day, doesn't it? With all we see happening in our country and the things that are taking place. It just seems like that's where we are. And 
course, the Bible tells us, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We'll look at those verses in a moment. But Romans chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, seems to give the same indication. Verse 5 says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. Patient endurance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. Seems there very clear that God doesn't judge the righteous with the unrighteous. That seems to be the clear picture in those verses. Psalm chapter 1, the first Psalm, verses 5 to 6. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Scriptures that God doesn't judge the righteous with the unrighteous. Matthew chapter 24, we looked at this before. We'll go back there again in Matthew chapter 24. Chapter 24, verse 37. But as the days of Noah, or Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days in, in the for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And so here in, in this passage, what we see is that they go out before judgment. The picture of Noah going out before judgment. That's what comes to the surface here. And then look in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. We're just looking at some of the pictures that the Bible gives us of these days of Noah and Lot. And Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. God took him. And then you go over to read about him again in the book of Jude in the New Testament. Enoch was taken out before the flood. He didn't go through the judgment of the flood. And Noah and his family was taken out, the eight that went on the ark. And so was taken out of the judgment by going into the ark. And here in Jude chapter 1, 
verses 14 and 15. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly. Notice he was taken out before judgment came. There the flood. Among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches and ungodly sinners have spoken against. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust in their mouth, speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. And so notice that we have a picture here that's clearly laid out for us. Enoch was taken out before the judgment fell. Noah pictures the protection of the Jews during the tribulation period. There's no... To any Bible student, there is no question as to why the Jews are hated around the world and why Iran today is trying to develop the nuclear weapons, and they, they say they're very close to doing that, and they're going to annihilate Israel. The, the Palestinians want Israel driven into the sea. They want the land. The Jews have been hated down through the centuries. Why? Because Satan knows that if he can destroy every Jew, and there's not one Jew living, then God has been defeated. Because God promised he would put them in the land physically, restore them to the kingdom. And as you read in the book of Revelation, you know that he protects the Jews in a special place when the Antichrist goes after them. And so that's the reason why they're hated. It's... There are no Jews left, then there's no kingdom of God for the Jews. Well, there are a lot of dead believer Jews, but God will not be able to physically put a Jewish person in the kingdom, and he will have been defeated. And so Satan has been working all through the time since he deceived Adam and Eve to destroy God's people, and he won't stop. And he, after he's released from the bottomless pit, what does he do? He goes and stirs up a great multitude as the sand of the sea and gets them to go against God after they've lived a thousand years in peace. Fire comes down from God and destroys them. He's always been out to defeat the work of the Lord. Lot was taken out, and only his two daughters were taken out with him. This indicates, because the Lord told us as it was in the days of Lot, in, in the book of Luke, he tells us, chapter 17, I don't know if I put that in the notes or not, but yeah, Luke chapter 18, verse 8, is not about that, it's Luke chapter 17 that tells about Lot, in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And if you look in Luke 17, it says in verse 29, but the same day, well, let's read verse 28. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. In other words, things were just going on like they usually go on. That is not the case in the tribulation period. No way would they 
be in this state of a condition. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down and take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. And so Lot is a picture of being taken out before judgment. And we notice about him that when only his two daughters were taken out with him, his wife looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. What does that say to us? It says apparently there are only going to be a few people. This indicates that those of faith will be few when he comes. That's what Jesus said there in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. He said, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Indicating a time of not many people really have true faith in the Lord. And that's what the indication seems to be in our world today. First Timothy 4.1 tells us that it's a time when people are departing from the faith. The last days. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Lot couldn't even get his own family to come out. All he took was his two daughters and his wife, and she looked back. So the indication of the days of Lot and Noah reveal that God is going to take his people out before, before the tribulation starts. So like I said, you know, you can take each one of these arguments and, and that we've presented and standing alone, you could, you could question them, but putting them all together, it seems to be very clear. Uh, a pre-trib rapture is taught in the scripture. And that's the way we have to study the Bible anyhow. There's no private interpretation. You have to look at it uh, as a whole. So the third thing I want us to see here tonight is the 24 elders. Now, we talked about them before and just mentioned that we see the church in the, in the heaven during the tribulation period. So we want to look at it a little bit more detail before we finish up here. And we'll go to 1 Timothy and look at all these references about the elders. Now, there were elders in the Old Testament and look, but we're dealing here with what we think is the church and the tribulation. So can we prove that from the scripture? First Timothy chapter 5, let's run through these verses in First Timothy chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, if any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them Relieve them, and let not the church be charged that may relieve them that are widows indeed. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. The laborer is worthy of his reward. So we're talking about there 
leaders in the church, the elders or the pastors there. And then Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot, for a bishop, that's another name for pastor, elder, bishop, pastor, they're all interchangeable in the scripture, refer to the same office. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given, given to filthy lucre. Then let's go over to James chapter 5, verse 14. James 5, 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. All for the elders of the church. And then 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 of 1 Peter. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, not be, as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away, the elder receiving crown. Second John 1, 1. It's only one chapter, but says, the elder unto the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, the elder. Then, Revelation 4.4, 4, why wouldn't it not be referring to the same type of elders? And around about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. So there's the crowns again. There's the elders that we just read in these verses about the pastors of the churches. And then 1 Peter 5, 4 talked about that, the crown, crown of glory. Chapter 7, verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? Now notice the scene here is not on the earth, it's in heaven. You won't ever find these elders on the earth. They're in heaven. That's where they are here in chapter 7 as we're going through the events of the tribulation period. These have come out of great tribulation, second half. But the elders, they're in heaven. Then let's go to chapter 14 and verse 3. Chapter 14, verse 3. And they, and they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. And here, when the, the 144,000 witnesses were taken out, they had been witnessing during the tribulation period. 
The elders are still in heaven. Don't find them on, on the earth. They're still in heaven. Chapter 19 and verse 4, we come to the end of the tribulation period, and the four and twenty elders and four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. So all through, these elders are in heaven. Acts chapter 15 and verse 2. Acts chapter 15, verse 2. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Apostles and the pastors about this question, the elders. Chapter 20 and verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So the elders are in heaven during the whole tribulation period. Now there's different debate about who these elders are, these 24 elders of Revelation chapter 4. There are some that teach that they're angels, but the, the, the reference, the context, they're clearly they're men. They're not angels. Some say they're the 12 apostles and the 12 leaders of the tribes of Israel. Some say that they're the 12, the 12 apostles and 12 of the church, half and half. But it seems to me very clearly that they are a representation of the church. They're seated around the throne and... In Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, Revelation 3, 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. Over there in verse 10 and 11, it says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And behold, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. And so all these references going together, chapter 4, again in Revelation, talks about, he heard, as it were, a trumpet talking with me that said, come up hither immediately. He was in the Spirit in verse 2. He's around the throne of God, and they're seated around the throne of God. This throne, they're seated around the throne. The throne is actually the same word that's translated the throne of God, the seats, I mean. It says 4 and 20 seats. That word seats is the same word that's translated thrones, and God promised that there in chapter 3 and verse 21. John 17, 24, and Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven is not the Lord's prayer. That's a disciple's prayer given to the disciples as an example, example to pattern our prayers. John 17 is the Lord's prayer. And he says in verse 24, Father, I, 
I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Set before him and behold his glory. So 24 was the number of the Levitical priesthood. That comes out in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, verses 1 through 19. There was a division of singers, and the Levitical priesthood was divided up in different ways of 24. So the number is associated with the priesthood. Well, the believers, only the church is redeemed as a priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 5 through 9. Here it says in chapter 2, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus, by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show the, forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into its marvelous light. Always think about that, you know, the darkness. The darkness is dark. But when you have a light in the darkness, it stands out. It's like I've said before, if I had a flashlight up here and we turned out all the lights, you'd certainly see the flashlight. And that's what we are. We're different. We should stand out. People should see Christ in us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Revelation 1, 6, he's made us kings and priests. That's very clear. Chapter 5 of Revelation. Through the blood of Christ, we are made kings and priests. Chapter 5, verse 9, as these are worshiping the Lord, the four and twenty elders fall down. They've been redeemed from the earth. How? By the blood of Christ. That's the church age there. Verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And then the elders are seen judged and rewarded. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11 talks about the judgment seat of Christ that we will all believers will appear before, not to be judged for our sin nature, but to be judged for those sins in our life that were not confessed and we didn't deal with them and it will cost us the loss of rewards and possibly the loss of crowns that we could have. So these are, are it, it seems to me, very, very clear. David Cloud had in his book on Revelation, I want to read you what he said about it because I thought he put it together pretty good, same way I see it. He says on page 183 in his book, he says, 
following other reasons supporting this position that these 24 elders represent the church, the 24 elders are seated in the heavenlies. They are not standing as the four beasts or as the angels always are, Revelation 7:11. They're sitting down in the very presence of Almighty God, round about his very heavenly throne. What amazing audacity. No, it is not audacity. It is New Testament grace. These are those who were loved and washed in Christ's blood, Revelation 1.5, and blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians 1.3, chosen and adopted, Ephesians 1.4-5, and accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1.6, and made to sit together with Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians 2.5-6. In Ephesians, we see these New Testament saints described positionally spiritually seated in heaven but still on earth and having the Holy Spirit as the earnest of their inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. But in Revelation 4, 5, 4 through 5, we see them described as physically seated in heaven, no longer waiting and walking by faith, but finally having come into full possession of their unspeakably rich inheritance. Second reason he gives here is the 24 elders are sitting on seats round about the throne. The Greek word translated seat here is thronos. It refers to a stately seat and is the same word oftentimes translated throne, 46 out of 50 times. It is used 36 times in the book of Revelation. It's translated throne throughout for Revelation 4, 5, 11, except for Revelation 4, 5, 11, 16, 14, 2, 3, and 16, 10, where it is translated seat. It is translated throne in Revelation 4, 2, 3, 5, verses 3, 4, 5, 6, 9, 10, chapter 5, verse 1, verses 6 and 7, 11, and verse 13. This is the Greek word that is used for God's throne, Matthew 5, 34, and for Christ's throne, Matthew 25, 31, and for the throne of David, Luke 1, 32, and for the thrones of the apostles, Matthew 19, 28. So if we compare Revelation 3, 21, we see that Christ promised the believer that he would sit with him on his throne. Number three, the 24 elders are clothed in white raiment. Compare Revelation 3, 4, where Christ promised that the New Testament believer will walk with him in white. Next one, number four, the 24 elders are crowned with crowns of gold. There are two kinds of crowns mentioned in the Revelation, the diadem, Revelation 12, 3, 13, 1, 19, 12, and the Stephanos, or the victor's crown. Revelation 4, 4 refers to the Stephanos crown. This is the Greek word that is always used for the believer's crown. The New Testament believer is promised a crown of life, James 1, 12, Revelation 2, 10, and a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, 8, that... The crowns signify the believer's position of ruling and reigning with Christ. Number five, the 24 elders are not subject to the judgments that are poured out on earth. Compare 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 to 10. Israel, on the other hand, must go through these judgments. It is the day of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 37. Six, number six, the 24 elders all offer prayers. Revelation 5.8, they have golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. 
The New Testament believers are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus, 1 Peter 2, 5. And number seven, finally, the 24 elders sing the song of the redeemed, Revelation 5, 8 to 10. This song, the state that they were redeemed, this song, the, the state that they were redeemed by Christ, but out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, this language perfectly fits the church age saints who were saved as a result of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 16, Mark 16, 15, and Acts 1, 8. And he sums it up pretty good that the reasons why we believe that these 24 elders represent the church. And the church is in heaven. These elders are mentioned in heaven the whole time of the tribulation period is very convincing evidence that the church is not going through the tribulation period. And I listed out for you in the notes the 21 things that we covered, 21 reasons there why we believe in a pre-trib rapture. Listed them all out. We covered those in these last few weeks and looked at them. Putting them all together it seems to be pretty clear that we are going out of here before the tribulation period starts. And it's interesting to me that this teaching of a pre-trib rapture has been around since the days of Christ, since the days of the Apostle Paul, but the teaching of a mid-trib rapture has come about in the last, oh, I'd say, been the last, really come about in the last 20 years or so. It's just seems like it's, a, it's an effort of the devil to destroy the hope of the soon coming of Jesus Christ, that he will soon appear to take us out of here and for the church to lose hope and the church to silence its witness. We have, our command is clear. Our command is to go with the gospel no matter what. And there are believers in other countries that are going with the gospel and witnessing at the, at the peril of their own lives. And we here in America sit down and enjoy our nice, comfortable seats in church and very seldom get out and witness. And we don't have to fear persecution. But you can read the stories. I've read several of them of believers who are faithfully witnessing some of them some wives witnessing where their husbands were killed for witnessing and they're still doing it and yet we sit still sit idle we need to get out and do the lord's work no matter what well let's pray father thank you for these few moments to consider the pre-trib rapture to challenge ourselves to be looking forward to the soon coming of the lord and to be found so doing when when he comes that we're faithful in our witness we are still people of faith and believe trusting you giving out tracts witnessing as we have opportunities help us to be that kind of people that you could find when you come we thank you we love you for those who may not know christ as savior help them to realize that time is short the need to get it settled is now and we thank you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's stand together and turn to page number 394, 394. 